and is, do we have an intro for us today or, or or no? Well, I can talk about how my I've got here's the thing. <laughs> Greg got hacked and he sent some his his hacked account sent some less than savory DMs to people. And while I was smart enough to not click on the link that was sent to me and you, Matt, I did see in the in the link description basically what it was gonna be. I went there anyway. <laughs> was it everything you wanted and more? It was, ex- it was exactly what I expected. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm not going to click on the link, but I can just type this into Twitter and find the account. Let's just say that is exactly what you think it is. Oh, no, we can't. I don't want people to know that. <laughs> Uh, you gotta I'm, just you gotta just beep that one out, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> what the the actual like Twitter? Yeah, the actual yeah. name. Yeah. yeah. Just right. the blank is what exactly what you think it is. Oh Great. Lord. Okay, done. I want to <laughs> barf. <laughs> and three, two, one. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Uh, Greg, we need to give a absolutely warm welcome to our thick Jack King, who is once again in Utah. You know, from the thick hacked king <laughs> to the thick jacked king. Welcome back, my sweet boy. The cool guy solstice is once again. Spring has sprung. Let's hope, right? <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> at least our at least our dear sweet boy Jarrell's back in Salt Lake City. That counts. That's that's the sunshine that has been missing from the forecast. Yeah. Honestly, I I just want to say right up top, like I don't know what's going to happen with Jarrell. Like that that hasn't been made clear to me yet. Whether or not he'll get a second ten day, signed through the rest of the season, anything else. Um, but to see Jarrell Brantley again, uh, first of all, back on U.S. soil and back in Utah was is just an absolute delight. We love Jarrell Brantley. Not only is do we have like so much hope. <laughs> And want so many good things for his career, but he's an incredible person and a sweet boy, and we absolutely love him and his family. Who, by the way, they're expecting their second child. Hey, so congratulations! Congratulations! To the um, he's been absolutely killing it in New Zealand, by the way. Yes, like he since he left the Jazz, he played in Russia for a little bit. And left there when the war broke out, and they tried to they tried to be like, "Oh, you're still under contract," and he was like, "Too bad, peace." Nope. And yeah, <laughs> and he got he was playing in the G League, kind of back home. Uh, he was uh, near Charlotte for a little while, playing in the G League with the Swarm, and then he played in Puerto Rico, 
Uh, and then he's, he got a deal with the New Zealand Breakers uh, uh, in the NBL, and they went all the way to the finals, and they lost in the final game. But he was playing so well through that season and with the Breakers that had the Breakers won that final game, Jarrell would have probably been named finals MVP. Yeah, he was killing it. Absolutely killing it. And so uh, the Jazz had some of their front office and scout people over in Australia and New Zealand a little bit earlier in the season. And the fact that they're still keeping an eye on Jarrell uh, is just very nice. Yeah, I I mean – it's a great story. I'm really happy for Jarrell. You know, when he left the Jazz, there were some pretty obvious things that were missing from his game, you know. And he seems like he's really put in a lot of work in the yeah. time that he was released to now. And, you know, I really do hope that he he finds a place. I would love for that place to be the Jazz. But this is a guy I think is an NBA player. I don't think it's fringe anymore. I think like with the improvements he's made and what I've seen, like he, there's a, there's gotta be a place for him in the league. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and maybe that's, maybe that's hopeful thinking and, and wishful thoughts on our part, but sure. I absolutely think that he's an NBA player. I mean, I think you could say that about, you know, the, the other leagues around the world. I mean, especially the NBL, like that's not a slop, like a slob league. Like the, there's very good players in that league. And when you're playing at the top of that league, I think, I think that all of those guys could play in the NBA. Yeah. And like I said, I don't know if it's going to be with the jazz or what's going to happen, but what we do know is that like the breakers would want Jarrell back if he doesn't get like an NBA deal. And so like he has things lined up for him and he's, he's got a good future ahead no matter what happens. He's a professional basketball player regardless. Yes, he is. Yeah, absolutely. So cool guy solstice lives on in Utah once again for now. Yeah. I don't know how much playing time or if any playing time. I know he got some like a 90 seconds of garbage time yeah. last night. I would like to see him see the court. That would be cool. I don't know if that's in Will Hardy's plans or in the Jazz's plans and all, but selfishly. Yeah, I would absolutely love to see selfishly. That. <laughs> yeah. Um outside of that, um, I, I wrote a couple of things this week that I just kind of wanted to touch on. And sure. one of the things being, I wrote a column about how I think that the jazz are going to make the play in um, based on absolutely no logic at all. And based purely on my vibes. favorite kind. <laughs> yeah. That is my that favorite. I am a vibes analysis guy. <laughs> and like, I think that's the only way to really analyze this jazz team because they don't really make sense. Right? Like they lost to the blazers last night uh, and they absolutely looked like doo-doo. And the Blazers are not necessarily a good team right now. You know, Dame is always good. But, uh, it, you know, that should have been a game that the Jazz could win. But the Jazz, before that, the two previous games, beat the number two team in the East and then the number two team in the West, the Boston Celtics and the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> it's so perfectly Utah Jazz that they beat the number two <laughs> seeds on both conferences. And Len lose to the team who's second to last in the Western Conference standings. Yes. That is an <laughs> yeah. incredible – like just throughout the history of the Jazz, that is so very on brand. I love it. Yeah, and then just – I mean the idea that like if you look at their schedule and it's a, it's a tough schedule on the way out of the season and they're playing – I think 
nine of the last 11 games are against teams that are either either fighting f- to be in the playoffs and play in or are fighting to maintain their position. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds difficult, but the jazz don't make sense. Like they've won games that just like don't make sense. And so when I look at this team, looking at the schedule and trying to look at it with like logic and reason and rationale has not worked so far. And so I'm like, they're, they're probably just going to like around and win a few enough games that they're going to make it in again, numbers and stats and science and math is for nerds. (laughs) Yeah. What yeah. actually matters, you know, is things like Ochai getting his career high when 60% of the starting lineup is in street clothes against the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. Yeah. You know, yeah. Walker Kessler, like, I don't know, becoming Dikembe Matumbo in that game and shutting down Sabonis. Yeah. And like, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, sometimes like Lowry Markin and scoring 40 points should mean a win for the jazz, except for like no one else was doing anything. Nobody else showed up last night on either side of the Blazers. Meanwhile, you know, against Charlotte, Lowry goes three of 22, Mm -hmm. but Taylor Horton Tucker scores 37 points. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I know that the NBA is a star driven league and rightfully so. Like those are the guys who are really driving the ship. Uh, but basketball is still a team game, and more so than I think other teams, the Jazz are the sum of their parts. Absolutely. Lowry, Lowry's fantastic and you know probably is deserving of an all-NBA slot. He's been incredible. But the Jazz still don't have the top-tier talent of a Milwaukee or a Boston or a Phoenix or something like that, that where you can just, you know, you've got multiple guys that you can just hand the ball off to and be like, Hey, we need this W tonight. Nothing else is working. You got to go do this. Yeah. I, the jazz don't have like the, the top tier guys and they are some of their parts. And so like when you're seeing them play the blazers and you're seeing them like Lowry's got 40 points, it like, you're very quick to realize like, well, Chris Dunn can't be the number two guy. Right. 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 Like, And if you're going to have like a bunch of guys who have eight points once it gets to the fourth quarter, then like that's why on nights when like you've got eight of the jazz players in double figures, that's why they're able to kind of like make it over the top because everyone steps up and everyone's like, it has to be a sum of their parts. Uh But when it's basically like Lowry and Chris Dunn, it's, it's not going to work because you don't have like a Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton right, exactly. or like a Devin Booker to just like go out and win games. Yeah, it's uh, – I also think there's kind of an interesting storyline too with the Jazz kind of being on the pre- precipice of either the playoffs or the play-in is A, how much does the front office actually want to go all in and win these games? And B, uh, I think that the, this tail end of the schedule is really going to test the player's mettle. And do they have it in them to pull out some of these games and actually end up in the playoffs or the play-in? Yeah, and I tried to – I wrote a column also uh, earlier in the week talking about, like, what what tanking is and the different, you uh know, definitions of tanking and kind of the version of the tank that I think the Jazz did, which I I coined Tank Light. And I think that that still stands – but I th- kind of think like any decisions that the front office would make right now almost don't matter because like, yeah. do I still believe that in their heart of hearts that Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck would prefer 
to get a higher draft pick and just not win these games? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. 100%. I believe that they feel that. But do I also think that the decisions that they've made this season have kind of like laid the groundwork? Like, what could they do right now? You could shut Lowry down, and again, Talon might score 40 points in a game and you win it anyways, right? right. Like it's same I thing with just, Ochai or yes. you know, Walker has a 2020 game. Yeah. Like there there are enough guys on this team that like are real guys, right? They're mm-hmm. not they're not dudes, but they're guys. Yes. <laughs> and they're just good enough, right? Like they're just good enough where you're not going to lose. This isn't a collection of absolute tankers like the process era Sixers did where like, you know, Jakar Sampson is starting 60 <laughs> games or whatever, yeah, right? Like half the guys would struggle to make G league rosters, right? Like none of the guys like on those teams uh, outside of basically like Joel Embiid or even in the NBA anymore. Right. And, and like, Yes, was that like nearly a decade ago? Sure, but like they were out of the NBA within like two years of being on mm-hmm. that team. And so, like, that this is not a collection of like the same type of players meant to purposely lose games. Like, this was players that they put together that they thought some of them might be here for the future. And like, let's kind of see what happens. And it just so happened that like some of them are better than they like. Lowry is better than expected. Walker is better than expected. Ochai is better than expected. And then you've gotten, you know, from one night to the next, a few really key, impressive performances from like whoever the guy is that's stepping up. And like the fact that they are even at this point and we're talking about fighting for maybe a play in spot when Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton haven't been playing for like the last month, like that's really impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been the the overarching thing of theme of the entire season is this team has completely exceeded expectations and overperformed and uh I'm excited to see how they end things. You know, I I'm optimistic and I, I think there's a big enough sample size to think that yeah, they're gonna probably pull off some of these games. Um uh, and I'd love to see it. You know, ultimately I don't think I think it would be foolish at this point. Like you're out of like the top tier, like Wemby Scoot uh, tier of the draft. Yeah. So why not go all in? And like that really sets the foundation for next season too, where it's like, hey, we got here last year despite all odds. Let's let's retool. Let's reload. Let's get some new guys, and then like, like let's go for this thing. We're we're not that far away from being a high contending team. Right. And again, I think we've said this many times at this point, but you know, the jazz aren't banking on a top tier draft pick Mm -hmm. to solidify their future. They have assets that they're banking on solidifying the future, like the draft picks and being able to do multiple blockbuster, like blockbuster trades. That's what they're banking on. Mm -hmm. And so if they get like a little bit lower of a draft pick because they end up having a little bit more success this season, like that's not going to derail the plans because the plan was to like fill the asset cupboards so that you could make deals, not fill the asset cupboards. So you could completely unrely on the draft. Yeah. And like while high draft picks, especially like this draft in particular seem incredibly enticing, it's still a draft. It's still a gamble. 
you know, think of how many high touted guys we all thought were going to be the next Michael Jordan. Who right? And like when I was when I was writing about this the other day, like just just looking at what the Sixers did, like they absolutely full on committed to the tank, right? Yeah, and they got Joel Embiid, which is the only one that really worked out. Like he's the the only one still there. The other ones were Jaleel Okafor, (laughs) Markel Fultz. I like Markel, but yeah, he, he's fine. He's, he's fine. He's just fine, but he's not. He's, fine. He he's not number, number one, one pick. pick. Good. No, no. He, yeah. No, and, he's not. He's not ben who Jason Simmons. Tatum is. Right. He's definitely not who Jason Tatum is. And the other one was Ben Simmons. And like. Eh. Meh. Yeah. Very eh. meh. Eh. Uh, and so like. It is such a gamble to hope that those high draft picks are going to change the direction of your franchise. Absolutely. And so, like, and while I agree, I fully agree that it's worth swinging on, like, Victor or Scoot, right? Like, um, the chance of getting those guys is slim to none. Right. And outside of those guys, I think that you're, you know, I mean, I, I think that people have, like, a little bit of a, an inflated sense of the kind of player that you're going to get, like, at number three, four, five in the draft, right? Like, people still think that those picks are going to be, like, life changing players. And sometimes they are, but sometimes it's the second rounder like Jokic. And sometimes it's like the 15th pick like Giannis or 13th. I can't remember. doesn't matter. Uh, Sometimes it is just not those top picks that actually become like the generational player. Mm -hmm. And what you're looking for in the draft, you, you shouldn't be like trying to find like the generational changer. You should be trying to find guys that are like sustainable and long lasting and, and can play for a long time and will provide, you know, little pieces like play roles on your team for the future. And I think that the jazz can still do that. If, even if they don't get like a top five pick. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, there's $60 million in cap space and 15 15 draft picks and, you know, the ability to do the Kevin Durant trade three times over. And again, I just, if I'm putting on my GM hat, I would much rather go out and do a KD to Phoenix type deal and get a bona fide star. Somebody who has proven their worth in the NBA than Gamble on a draft pick, even if that draft pick is a Scoot Henderson. You still don't know. And, call, you know, maybe that's me being old man conservative here, but I I would much rather go with results. I would much rather go out and hypothetically get a, a Luca or a Damian Lillard or someone like that than chance it in the draft. Right. And. I think that part of the thing that we have to really consider is how much quicker this rebuild is going to be than we thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. right? Like, it is very possible. Like, Lowry's ready to go now. As he should. He's in his prime. Right. He's he's finishing up the best season of his career. I'm, I think it's very fair to say that, like, Walker and Ochai are if not ready, absolutely ready to go next season within the the season after that, like it's time to start pushing those guys, right? Yeah. It's time to start like maximizing their careers as soon as absolutely possible because they're, they're already good. Right. And so then when you think about like, okay, well, what kind of guys do you want to bring in? You're absolutely right. Bringing in a bona fide star is better for a team that wants to go right now, rather than waiting years for the development of another draft pick. And let's be honest. 
when was the last time a rookie came in in his first year and like led a team to the promised land? Magic Johnson? Right. Who also had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Right. Yeah. Like rookies are great and, you know, they can help your team, but rookies usually do not come into the league and impact winning. They're usually right. negative players, even the good ones. Right. And it takes a minute to develop. And when you've got a guy like Lowry and you've got supporting people, you got a supporting cast. Like, for example, I'm 100% certain the Jazz are going to re-sign and extend Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson's 30 now. He'll be 31 yep. next season. He's ready to go as well. There yep. are guys on this team like – and again – you would need a couple of years, say, if you were to get Scoot, to develop him into a winning uh, a winning point guard, a, a guy who can lead a team. Do you really want to do that and, and waste two years of Larry Markkinen's pride or, or, or his prime? Or do you want to go right now? Right. Do you want to go and get, I don't know, a Bradley Beal or someone like that? And it's like, okay, it's go time. Right. Let's let's make this thing happen. Again, just for the record, I don't think the Jazz are going to go for Bradley Beal. I have no information about Luka Doncic or Damian Lillard. These are hypothetical situations. Do not aggregate. Yes. <laughs> uh, another thing that I wanted to touch on uh, a little bit today is uh, kind of looking at the upcoming schedule. Because, mm -hmm. again, if you just look – straight at the opponents that the jazz have coming up, then it can sound a little daunting. So for example, uh, these are the games remaining Milwaukee bucks, Sacramento Kings, Phoenix suns, San Antonio Spurs, Boston Celtics, Brooklyn nets, Los Angeles Lakers, Oklahoma city, thunder, Denver nuggets, Los Angeles Lakers. A lot of teams that are fighting, a lot of teams that are playoff teams. That is murderer's row. <laughs> and it's basically like the the Spurs should be a jazz win, if you look at it. Yeah. Like, that's it. Because the Thunder, are, the thunder I mean, are going. The yeah. Thunder are fighting. The Lakers are fighting for their absolute lives right now. Yeah. And so two games against them is not like, none of this looks easy, but it's not just like the strength of the opponent. Uh, and so last night I was kind of looking through like, what are the schedules of some of those upcoming teams? And the jazz are going to be playing a lot of those teams on the opposing teams back to back, which is going to make things really interesting. So on Friday, the jazz play the bucks here at home in Utah, but the bucks are going to be in Denver to play the nuggets the next night. And so are the Bucks going to maybe have like a finals preview? Like that's going to be the one chance they have to like fine tune against Denver. If that's a right. team that they might meet in the finals. Right. And so like maybe, and Giannis has not played in every back-to-back -back this season. Chris Middleson hasn't played in a single back-to-back -back this season. Yeah. And so those guys are going to rest on one end of it. It would shock me if they sat them against the Nuggets. Yeah. And so... As like, well as, as what producer Matt just said, Giannis versus Jokic, that's an MVP matchup. It's a marquee game, national yeah. TV. like Two number one seeds. Yeah. yeah. Like, so the Bucks might be coming into Utah resting all their top guys. And so that might be a win for the Jazz. Well, then the Jazz 
uh, on Saturday are playing their own back-to-back in Sacramento, but the Kings are going to be on the second night of a back-to-back hmm. after facing the Suns, and that's a 2-3 Western Conference matchup. Yeah. That's very interesting. Right. Yeah. And that's Especially, not the only we're also, one. We're also talking about teams who by then would probably have already clinched a playoff spot. Right. But are they there? You know, they could be like them worrying about falling out of the top four. Like they don't right. want to get into the bottom. So like, have they clinched already? Are they resting guys? Are they resting guys? Cause it's a back to back. Like it, are they going all out to try to get seating? Yeah. Very interesting. Right. And so, and that is it. It continues to happen throughout the season for the jazz. March 31st, Jazz will be in Boston, and it'll be the second night of a back-to-back for the Celtics, who the night before are playing the Bucks. Another one-two matchup. Yeah, another premier, probably Eastern Conference Finals preview. Yes. Then Jazz are facing the Lakers uh, twice at the end of the season, but uh, the Lakers, the night after they face the Jazz, are playing the Clippers which is another seeding team that they're going to be playing. And again, Los Angeles on Los Angeles. That's not one where guys usually are resting, right? Yeah. Then well, the we Jazz still don't play- know. We don't know the status of Paul George either. We don't know status of Paul George. The Lakers could be going into that back-to-back game thinking like that's the easier win because they won't have Paul George. Maybe they do, they find out that they're the Clippers are going to be sitting Kawhi. A million things could happen. Right. Jazz face the Nuggets the second uh, to last game of the season, but the night before that, the Nuggets are taking on the Kings. <laughs> and yeah. so like th- it just keeps happening this season. And so outside of strength of opponent strength of schedule for the opposing teams means that we have no idea who's going to be playing in these games. There's no way to know. And so the Jazz's schedule from here on out, like they could end up winning a lot of games that no one would have predicted purely based on who's going to actually be playing that night. Yeah. That's got to be so hard if you're a coach. Yeah, because what do you plan for? You've got no idea how to plan. Do you just go, everybody who's available is playing? Yep. Exactly. And like, it's hard to, I mean, I think that the jazz only have one more back to back, if I'm right, uh, this season. I think it's the last two games against the Nuggets and the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, again, those two games against the Nuggets and the Lakers could be rest days for them because they're playing on back to backs. So, um, I, I could imagine a scenario where, like, on the second night of a back-to-back, that final game against the Lakers, maybe you see the Jazz, like, rest a guy or two. But I also think it's going to completely come down to, like, where the Jazz are in seating that night. Like, and, and this is super fun for the league in general, but deciding the play-in and the seating in the Western Conference almost certainly seems like it's going to come down to the last night of the season. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen or like witnessed a season where there's so much parody. Yeah. And, and like, where the, the seating is so close. I mean, the jazz are what, like three or four games out of being like the, the second to last team in the NBA and three or four games away from being like the fifth or sixth seed. It's insane. They're currently uh, two games out of six. Uh, two and a half games uh, out of being tied for fifth with the Clippers. <laughs> Incredible. Um, and they're only three games above 13th seed Portland. 
Wild. I've never seen Which anything is, like that before. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could go even further. The Jazz are three games out of fourth right now. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, right. And and the parody, I mean, extends to the Eastern Conference this yeah. year, which I think is also very interesting. Like, uh, the in the win column in the Eastern Conference, you've got Bucks with 52, Celtics with 50, Sixers with 49. Denver Nuggets leading the West with 49 wins. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, just this year, as far as parity and as far as like how tight things are, it's, it's really great. It's really fun. Like, you know, rewind the tape back a few years ago and like Katie was in, in Oakland and we all knew what was going to happen. Yeah. We knew the Warriors were going to win it all and there was nobody even close to them. And I find this to be so much more fun because there is legitimately four or five teams who could win, win it all. Yeah. And it's really exciting. And like, there's so many different things that could break for a certain team. And like, there's just no like real leader in the clubhouse right now. Like, you know, if I were to, if I were a betting man, I'd probably put money on Milwaukee. Yeah. But they've, but they've shown that they're not unbeatable. Right. And that's, what's so fun to me right now too, is like, Listen, would the money be on the Bucks or the Nuggets right now? Absolutely. But I mean, even just within the last couple of days, like Memphis is now the two seed in the West and that puts the Kings and the Suns in three and four. But like, can you imagine, like, what if Sacramento were to just like make it into the Western Conference Finals or something? Like, nothing nothing is absolutely guaranteed. And that just makes this postseason, like, super fun. I mean, I think – and, you know, we were talking about it a lot early in the season, but, like, the Cavs are still good, right? Right. Like, they could make a lot of noise in the Eastern Conference during the playoffs and just make things really interesting. There's a lot of stuff that could happen. Uh, Embiid has had like his most legitimate MVP season so far. Like the I Sixers think he's going to win. Actu- it. Yeah, like the Sixers could actually get over the hump this year, and it's just a really fun postseason. And again, the, the fact that the the Western Conference seedings are probably going to come down to the last two games of the season. I'm so is, excited! It's so exciting. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, I think we're going to start really feeling in these, you know, these last especially 10 games of the season like some very serious playoff vibes. Like there're going to yeah. be a lot of teams playing for their lives and playing for seeding and like I mean this is what you play the 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 first 72 games of the season for. Right. Like and- I I am I'm so excited for the end of the season. I think the playoffs are going to be fantastic. I mean they always are. It's yeah, just, and like it's an exciting the teams, time of the year. The teams that are like fighting to like maintain position, like the the Warriors, the the Golden State Warriors. Have you heard of them? Yeah, uh, they're on like the cusp of being in the play-in. Yeah, and so like any game they play is like must-watch TV because they're in the sixth seed right now. They're only a game ahead of Minnesota, who's tied with the Thunder, mm-hmm. who are only a half a game ahead of the Mavericks and Lakers, and the Jazz are only a half a game behind that. And so all of it is completely bunched up. The play-in is so tight right now. Yeah. Like I watched after I finished watching just the that abysmal Utah Jazz game. I needed a bit of a palate <laughs> cleanser. And yeah. I turned on Lakers Suns, which was awesome. 
Yeah, 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 like, it was. Super high-level basketball, Austin Reeves going going nuts. Like Anthony Davis finally back looking like prime Anthony Davis. You've got, you know, I know. Devin Booker being Devin Booker, just like, you know, every every, every mid-range jumper just wet. Yeah. It was just so fun and such high-level, intense basketball that you just normally don't get in mid-January. And the drama continues to swirl because now today we're getting stories like LeBron could return for the last week of the season, right? Like the drama. I just love it. Yeah. It's the best. The NBA is the best reality television. Absolutely the best. A couple of things. Um, I know that we have um, really slacked on – the 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 beanies that I was giving away uh, for the people who retweeted the episode. I'm still going to do it. Don't worry. I'm still going to go back, find the people that were nicest to us. I'm going to mail you some swag. Don't worry about it. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to say is that people really need to tune in in the upcoming weeks because we've got some really good stuff coming. <laughs> we've, we've got some guests. Uh, we've got some excellent excellent content that you guys are going to really enjoy i don't think they're going to believe what's actually coming it's pretty wild (laughs) it's really wild it's i'm lips are sealed outside of saying that i'm very excited yeah so please stay tuned uh we're gonna have some really cool episodes coming your way and we're really excited about it and i know that this is a short episode but uh just wanted to get a couple of things uh, off the chest. Welcome back to Real Brantley. Talk about the upcoming schedule, but uh, outside of that, very excited about what we have coming here at Unsalvageable, and just really, really looking forward to the end of the season. It's going to be a roller coaster. It's it's the most wonderful time of the year. It is. I think that's gonna let's do it for today. Yeah. You guys know what to do: rate, review, subscribe, download, do all of the things. Please leave us five star reviews. Share the episode on social media. Share it with all your friends. Share it to all the haters. Uh, have them hate listen to us. We love that the too. Haters and losers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell tell your parents. Uh, get the podcast app on their phones and download it for them, even if they don't listen to it. And. Uh, just do all the nice things for us because it really helps us out, guys. Uh, you can follow Greg at Dad Sham Dad. You can follow me at NBA Sarah. You can follow Matt at. Oh, just my mic. Oops. <laughs> and we will talk to you next time. I apologize to everyone. I'm very sorry. I will never do it again. I changed my password. Bye. <laughs> Greg, so sorry. <laughs>